know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness, the ultimate destination to explore the integral connection between kinky wellness and your personal development. I'm your host and kinky wellness coach, Dana Shergill, and each Monday, I bring on a special guest to dive into specific aspects of kinky wellness. From unconventional practices to thought-provoking conversations, I'm here to break down barriers and redefine the boundaries of wellness and pleasure. Don't forget to join me for my solo shows on Wednesdays, where I explore even further into the multifaceted layers of kinky wellness. So let's strip away the shame and taboo together and have an open conversation about it. Hey, and welcome back. And welcome back, Brooke Braylove. Brooke was previously on the show in episode 105, Working Through Desired Discrepancies, where she briefly mentioned a therapy form called Accelerated Resolution Therapy. Now Brooke is back to tell us all about it, what it is, and how it's paving the way to faster recovery times. So without skipping a beat, let's welcome Brooke back to the show and get into what art therapy is. Hello, Brooke. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me back. It's so cool. Oh, I'm very excited because today we're talking about accelerated resolution therapy. So we touched on that a little bit before, but just for a refresher here. Yeah. Just walk us through what it is and a little bit of history for it. Mm -hmm. So accelerated resolution therapy is also called ART or ART. You can choose. And it is a brief treatment modality that uses rapid eye movement and voluntary image replacement to change the way the brain stores distressing images, sensations, and then those negative reactions that we often get to when we are triggered. And it can reduce and eliminate all of that. It is um, founded in 2008 by a wonderful therapist named Lainey Rosenzweig, who had been doing all different kinds of psychotherapy and did an EMDR training. And for those who don't know, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And it, it has a lot more research done because it's been around a lot longer than art. And she basically decided, okay, I like these whole eye movement things, but I want to change some things and I want to combine some other evidence-based practices as well. And she has made this just beautiful, beautiful modality. And I say beautiful because while art is based in science, what happens in the room is magic. And that is really how I feel about it, that it combines these two wonderful things. So the element of, yes, we understand this. It's science. It's based in the brain. It's based in the body. But then when you get someone in a room and you watch them heal, it is pure magic to watch, to be a part of. And it's, it's just really incredible. I mean, I've never, ever done anything like it. And I've basically decided to kind of transition most of my long-term talk therapy into doing more art, because when you realize you can help somebody in one to five sessions, you don't want to keep them around for too long. So my goal is to get you in and out as quickly as possible. 
And that doesn't mean that I don't still love talk therapy and think it's beneficial, but a lot of people who come to see me, this is their last resort. They are at their wits end. They have been in talk therapy for years. They have tried CBT. They have tried exposure response prevention. They have tried DBT. They've tried all these different modalities and they're just not getting better or they've gotten better in many ways, but there's this one small thing, this one small memory, this one small trauma or experience that they just can't let go of. And art really unlocks that in the brain and the body. And so those two things are really what we're realizing matter the most in terms of trauma. Yes, I agree with the unlocking from your body was a big deal like the process of actually feeling it and you feel that weight being lifted off of you well at the same time as well yeah there's no doubt that a lot of people who at the end of an art session say they absolutely feel lighter um the the heaviness that you know they also sometimes say they feel more grounded Mm. because so much of what happens when we're traumatized is that we leave our bodies to cope with it we dissociate and so when someone at the end of the session says they feel more grounded that's a wonderful thing they are more in their bodies and as you know for sex sexuality and you know sexual health you need to be in your body or there really can't be any pleasure. And I think when we've been so dissociated from our body for so long, that becomes the new normal and it can be very difficult to resync yourself into your body, I think, um, for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it hasn't been safe. I mean, you were smart. If you've got sexual trauma or any kind of trauma, literally any kind, even Like, you know, my mom never told me she loved me or, you know, she was a great mom. She showed up, but I couldn't share my feelings. Even that can be experienced as trauma in the body because you get triggered every time that same kind of neglect happens in other relationships, in friendships, in romantic relationships. And so it hasn't been safe to be in your body. So we have to tell the body you are safe And then you might actually want to be in it. And we do that through the eye movements because it's the eye movements themselves that are calming. And so we pair a traumatic memory or scene in our mind with these calming eye movements. And then we change the way that that gets stored in the brain by providing a new story, something that the brain might want to hold on to, because we want to heal. Our brains want to help us, but we haven't almost been feeding it the right uh, situation, sort of this optimal situation so that it can do that. And what we know about art in terms of the science is that the rapid eye movements replicate REM sleep. And during REM sleep, that's where memories are reconsolidated in the brain. So we are actually doing something that the brain normally does while asleep. We're having you be wide awake for it, to say the least. You are completely in control of the entire session. It's not hypnosis. 
There's no sort of funny business about it, right? You're not altered in any way, but we are asking the left and right brain to talk to each other while you're awake so that you can bring creativity and problem solving to this issue that you're working on. That's amazing. I feel like it's very, you're rewriting stories between your brain. Like you are just taking that moment to take something and just really re- reworking it. Yeah. You are literally rescripting something that was traumatic and terrible. Or, you know, I think it's important to remember too, that while we talk about art as a trauma therapy, I barely even think about it that way anymore, only because I've done so much art on things that you know, really don't have a lot to do with trauma. Like, you know, I mean, they could, um, but, you know, test anxiety, uh, fear of public speaking, OCD, generalized anxiety, social anxiety. You want to have a better relationship with your mother-in-law. I can help you with that. So that it really works on almost anything that you would come to therapy for. When I first started art, doing art, I was like, okay, it's trauma. I got to wait for trauma to show up in my office or someone will call me if they've, you know, been in a car accident or, um, you know, been assaulted. And I would just sort of wait for that. But now with my sort of patients that I see for regular talk therapy, I'll find something and I'll be like, you know what? we've worked on this. We've talked about this a lot. You still can't change that automatic response you have every time you see your sister-in-law at holidays. Let's work on that. And I'm changing relationships. I'm not changing them. The client is changing them. But I mean, I had a woman who just hated the way she responded to her daughter-in-law. And not only did she have a visit with her daughter-in-law that was so vastly different and wonderful. Everyone noticed. Her son noticed. Her husband noticed. Everyone noticed that the entire relationship was different. And that's pretty cool to be able to facilitate that, you know? And so we're really changing relationships. And we're, a, a major thing is we're helping people change their relationship with themselves. So a lot of what I will work on too is things like these core negative beliefs. I'm worthless. Well, where does that come from? Ask your brain where that comes from. When was the first time you remember having that negative sensation of a pit in your stomach and your throat closing in? And sometimes they have no idea that something that happened so long ago has anything to do with why they don't feel confident at work. And, but you have to have your brain during this rapid eye movement, figure it out. And that's been what's so amazing is someone will take something like, um, currently they're having negative intrusive thoughts of harming themselves. They're not doing it, but it's just the intrusive images. And they'll find that it has to do with discovering their father had an affair when they were 10 years old Mm -hmm. and they, they don't, they don't know that's related. And in fact, neither do I, but the body remembers, right? We all know the wonderful book, the body keeps the score. And that is a hundred percent true. And through rapid eye movements, we're giving a key to their brain to unlock that and then change it in 
a matter of 60 to 90 minutes. Wow. Like I love that the concept of this can go far beyond again, traumas, like everyday stresses, you can almost reapproach it. A hundred percent. You want to have like, you want to not have nighttime anxiety. We will help you focus on all the times you have had nighttime anxiety, which is very common. Actually. I feel like there's like a, a, a witching hour for a lot of adults, um, especially parents as they're sort of transitioning into um, that those nighttime, especially during uh, the winter months with seasonal affective disorder, you absolutely see people, re- their mood drops around, you know, four or five, whenever the light's changing. And they'll imagine all the times they've had those, you know, that negative, that depressive feeling. And then you help them imagine not just like an okay night, but the best night of their entire lives. And, and that's what's so amazing is I always say the brain wants a sexy story to store instead of the old one. So you don't just do, well, it was an average night. I watched TV and checked Instagram and went to bed. Why don't you take yourself to Tahiti? Why don't you have a private Beyonce concert? We want to store that in the brain. Because that's actually what the brain kind of craves and the brain doesn't care if it's realistic. And so what's kind of cool, like I had a guy, this is my favorite example. I had a guy who had really, really low self-confidence and that's why he came in. And in his scene that we wanted the brain to store, he imagined himself as a beetle during beetle mania, (laughs) right? And he was grinning from ear to ear. I mean, he was just so happy. And we stored that in the brain. So he left feeling like a million bucks and it lasted. Well, I absolutely love it. I feel like that crossover between kinky wellness is so strong because it comes back to just really using your imagination for the power of healing and for adventure and fun and play and positivity. And that's what I actually feel. I wanted to reference one of the things that you had said about how all these negative thoughts that we have, I really believe that they all have come externally. And sometimes we forget where the origin was. And we think that we're the ones that are telling ourselves that it's just, we forgot where the story began. And it's important to kind of find, it is important to find where that story started. So then you're able to work through it and reconnect why. And yeah, wow. That that's amazing. Well, I think you raise a really important point. And I work a lot with sexual dysfunction. So I work a lot with women with pelvic pain and women with anorgasmia and libido issues. And you do find occasionally, I mean, sometimes it is based on, you know, a sexual assault, unfortunately, or painful sex for many years can also create trauma, right? Because if you've had painful sex for, you know, six years, how are you going to ever want to do that? Right. Your, your muscles are going to clench up immediately at the sight of your partner hugging you even. Mm -hmm. Right. So then there becomes no intimacy, even, even if you're not having penetration. So all of that can create traumatic responses and avoidance and continue the pain. But then you will find I had a woman who, again, had had so much pain and there was trauma associated with it. But as I said, this example, she anytime her husband wanted to hug her, she would go into complete fight, flight or freeze. 
when we asked when we asked her to asked her brain to remember when was the first time she had those like negative sensations in her body. It was when she was, I think it was seven or eight and she was at school and she saw a bad word written on the bathroom stall, came home, said it to her father because she didn't know what it was. And he washed her mouth out with liquid soap. So that's where the origin is. So as you said, right, that's a message that, you know, sex is bad or that word is bad and you should be ashamed of yourself for saying it. Whereas, of course, we know that would be a moment, a wonderful learning opportunity. Oh, okay, that's a word you've never heard before. Let me teach you what that means. Let me teach you um, that it might not be appropriate to say or certainly not appropriate to, you know, put on a bathroom stall and let's talk about it, right? So absolutely, I mean, you know, shame and sex go hand in hand. They're almost connected right from probably the first time we ever, you know, say the word penis and vagina. And by the way, we all know now it's not a vagina. It's actually a vulva, right? So I keep saying, where are my parents? Where are my parents at? And please tell me they are saying boys have you know, penises and girls have vulvas. Now, of course, we also know it's not that simple because of, you know, all, all sorts of gender identities and bodies and that kind of thing. But, but certainly I think at young ages, um, kids do need a little bit of guidance on kind of generally what things are, what our body parts are, you know, how we refer to them. And if you put shame into a kid at that early age, that's in them, that's in their bodies, and that will manifest through in lots of different ways. And so with art, we dismantle those things. We, we basically say, we don't want these linked anymore. Um, and you're also, of course, aware that in, you know, kink and BDSM, there are violations of trust, right, that do occur if people have not had adequate communication, trust building, all of that. And so sometimes I will see someone who's had the, been violated in that way, but they still are really into, you know, kink and, and BDSM and again, want that kinky wellness. Well, through art, you can heal from some of that, those past kind of transgressions or times things didn't go so well. And that's important to mention because it's not, unfortunately, unethical people do swarm around sex. There's always predators like on the edge just waiting. And that's the reality of what it is. And um, you just need to forgive the situation as you work through that, but like not be scared of it. And art is a great way to do that. Absolutely. Now Absolutely. you. Um, I do have one question. You mentioned inorgasmia, and I've actually never heard of that. If you could explain just a little bit more what that is. It's a new term for me. So it's anorgasmia with mm. an A. And anorgasmia is basically the inability to have an orgasm, the, the inability um, to, you know, climax. And, you know, many, many, many women struggle with having orgasms. Now they struggle for different reasons, but a lot of women struggle because only 13% of women actually can orgasm from vaginal penetration. So we sell women a, a bill of goods and say, don't you have an orgasm that way? I mean, 
everybody has an orgasm that way, which is completely false and just complete crap. And so a lot of women never explore their clitoris because they just think, well, I guess I'm supposed to orgasm this way. And so a lot of women need to be taught what is your clitoris? Where is your clitoris? Let alone teaching men or, you know, sexual partners of people with, you know, a clitoris. And so um, it's really just the inability to do that. And so art can unlock that because some people don't feel they deserve to have an orgasm. Some people are not willing to let go emotionally because it is super vulnerable to orgasm. It's probably one of the most vulnerable things. And so I can change, help people change their experiences of, you know, years and years of failed sexual experiences. And when I say failed, I mean, in their minds, the fact that they didn't orgasm or frankly, their partner blaming them, what's wrong with you? Why are you so frigid? All that crap we know is simply that crap, but takes a toll, right? This is very hurtful to people. And of course there's, you know, men uh, who cannot orgasm as well, but men have been socialized that masturbating from a young age is, is pretty normal, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, your mom finds your sheets that are wet and we kind of say that's okay, but we don't teach young girls that it's okay to masturbate and learn their bodies. And so many don't, and they just don't know what turns them on. The saddest thing I find actually in sex therapy is that when you ask a woman what feels good to you, they can't even answer that. And I'll say, wait, I, I, I'm talking about just what feels good on your skin, let alone something sexual, and they don't know. And so we sometimes have to go back to things like, why don't for homework this week, you go outside and feel the sun on your face? And do you like that? Is that warm? Does that feel good? Does it feel too hot? And why don't you take your fingertips and start rubbing your own, the palm of your own hand? What do you like about that? Do you like to put more pressure, less pressure? Because they can't even think about what a partner is going to do because they don't even know what feels good to their own skin. And, and frankly, that makes me very sad. That is very sad. That is, it's also, um, I find it a little sad that we've almost lost touch with these little things that can give us pleasure as well, that we've extended past intercourse. Like what you said, sun on our face. Like these are things that our skin needs, our soul needs it as well. And yes, we need to just go back out there and just appreciate those type of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then I do a lot of homework when I'm doing sex therapy, which is, you know, okay, tonight as a couple, you, you can't do anything but kiss. That's it. You're not doing anything else. Well, when you tell that to a a couple who's been married for 30 or 40 years, first of all, they're probably not kissing much at all anyway. But when you say go back to that and, you know, explore, you know, a neck, an ear that takes them back to, you know, something like high school or college where 
you know, they hadn't had intercourse yet. And so that was the, you know, the absolute highlight because that's all they were doing. And you interject this incredible energy and people will say, oh my God, I forgot how much I liked kissing or who knew I had that many nerve endings on my earlobe. Yeah. And so I love stuff like that. Right. And because you have to make it, you have to take it off the table. That's it. You ain't doing anything else. You are not allowed to take off any clothes. And so you do that and it brings back that tension that you really liked having when you were, you know, 16, 18. Well, I think that's what it is. We forget that the sexual tension is what gave us that giddiness, that nervousness in a good way. You're like, ooh, like, where's this going to go? Like, that is what we're building here. Yeah, the mystery. And Esther Perel, of course, does some wonderful talking about this, that actually safety, the sense of safety Mm. is not necessarily that erotic. I am not saying safety doesn't matter in a relationship or that it doesn't matter in a sexual relationship. But often, you know, you need to create that, you know, is he going to call? Is he not going to call? You know, I mean, and some of us are old enough to remember that you would just sit there and stare at your, you know, rotary phone waiting. And, you know, that was it was a little hard and, you know, sometimes maddening, but it was also pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. I think, though, too, everything's because everything's so instant we can forget that we should, we have to build it. We have to like almost go a little bit further and think about how to create it. But yes. And a little bit more on art is, do you include the other senses with this? Or is this primarily, primarily just the eye movements, like scent taste Is anything like that incorporated? So during the actual therapy, it's really eye movements. Although um, sometimes people do like Uh, other bilateral stimulation. So they could um, tap on their chest or tap on their knees if they found they needed a little bit more stimulation. I usually reserve that for people who tend to dissociate more, who really need to stay grounded in the session. But when you are processing trauma, you 100% have to include the senses. So I will say, you know, imagine what happened to you and include all your sight, sound, smells, because many of us have the experience, right? We walk into someone's house and we go, oh my gosh, this smells just like my grandmother's house, right? So that's how memory works through the five senses. And so, yes, we do play with that. And sometimes we'll have to get rid of you know, the, the, I mean, if someone's been assaulted, sexually assaulted, we may have to, you know, erase and get rid of and replace the scent of cologne or the sound of a voice or the music playing on the radio. So it involves the other senses, but it is the eye movements themselves that are actually calming and healing in the session. Wow. I do feel like there is, again, like that is something that you can take over into kinky wellness. It's, and what you said earlier, our brain doesn't realize if it's real or not. And that's, you know, and we should take a look at even the cinema that we watch and the music that we listen to and all of those things, they do affect you as well. And because again, your brain doesn't realize, is that real? Is that not real? It's just getting that anxiety, say if it's a scary movie or something or a violent movie, your brain actually thinks that's happening. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just think it's so important to understand sort of 
what we're really doing in art, which is that you and your brain are healing. I am just sort of like a guide during the session. And so again, it's not like hypnosis or anything where we're making you do things that you aren't aware of. It's whatever you want to do. It's very, that's why what we call, you know, we call it voluntary image replacement, meaning I may make suggestions like, Ooh, why don't you, you know, like today I was helping somebody with some medical trauma and they could still hear, you know, the doctor's voice giving them this cancer diagnosis. And so I said, you know, why don't you bring in your favorite actor who could be the doctor? And, you know, it's just a suggestion I say, or anything you want. And sure enough, you know, the doctor becomes, you know, Ian McClellan. Is that his name? I never know how to say his I name. I think so. McClellan. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and by the way, it's super bizarre, but Lord of the Rings shows up in art a lot. Really? People's, yeah. The, what people want to replace it with is has often something to do. I don't mean often, but occasionally something to do with a Lord of the Rings thing. So I'm like, I got to go see that movie again and figure out what it is because it's very funny. Um, so and 50 Cent has also shown up in people's uh, scenes. So you never know. Right. Oh, my goodness. I think it's like pop culture really, really sinks into what you want to replace it with. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, okay. well, we got Lord of the Rings there. That's so funny. Now, when it comes to accelerated art, is there or sorry, accelerated resolution therapy? Is there this is for everyone or is there side effects of maybe people that shouldn't do it or anything like that? So that's a good question. So there are really only three screening questions to figure out if someone might be a good candidate for art. The first one is, is there any reason you can't move your eyes back and forth? So someone with an active seizure disorder or who has a recent concussion, I would want them to check with their neurologist before doing art. But otherwise, as long as you can do that, then, you know, that's the first question. The second question is, can you hold a thought in your mind for a couple minutes at a time? Because we do need to be able to do that and think about a scene that's happened or an experience that's happened to us and hopefully see some images related to it. And then the third question is, are you motivated to change? Do you want to be here? So I always tell, you know, a mother might call me and say, you know, my adolescent has terrible test anxiety. And I'll say, were they motivated to try art? And they'll say, no, I, but I, I'm going to make them do it. And I say, don't bother. You really have to be motivated to change. Mm-hmm. And as long as those, the answer to those three things, you know, is yes, that's fine. I can do that. Then I think it can be a really worth it. Occasionally, I find that people who feel so stuck and people who might have like an identity that's formed around a trauma or someone with a chronic illness where it has been a part of their life for so long that they're actually maybe afraid to let go of that identity, afraid to maybe let go of a community that's been really supportive. Occasionally those people can have a little bit more of a challenging time. It certainly doesn't mean that they can't use art and get better, but you often have to break through some of that 
that loss of identity, they mean, may need to grieve the loss of that identity before they're willing to give it up. And again, this is often for people who they're not going to be aware of these things because people, you know, I'll say, are you motivated to change? And some people say, I've been dealing this for 45 years. Of course, I'm motivated. And they almost get a little offended. Um, and then it, we'll see what happens in the in the session um, to see if they're able to kind of let it go. I, that's a good point. There was multiple good points. I love the point about holding a thought for two to three minutes. Cause as much as that might seem simple in a sentence, a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people, it can feel like a wave and you're starting to drown and you just want to get out of that sinking feeling. And I think that holding a thought for two to three minutes is powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I do find that most people can do art successfully I do think occasionally, though, I mean, it's one to five sessions and for single incident trauma, it is often just one or two sessions. So I worked with, uh, unfortunately, there was a school shooting in D.C. about a year and a half ago, um, and I worked with 14 members of the school community, teachers, parents and students, and they rarely needed more than two sessions because it was a single incident that had occurred and they did they did really well you know and that was when you know they couldn't you know if a car backfired they would jump and get very scared and again we hear a lot about things like that with you know combat veterans with you know trying to you know they can't hear loud noises or fireworks or things like that that can re-trigger uh memories of that, or even again, just those negative body sensations, which feel like automatic responses that they have no control over. And frankly, they are automatic responses that they don't have control over. And so many times people will really just need one or two sessions for complex PTSD, uh, recurring things. Sometimes that will be, I would say, closer to three to five sessions. And also what I really like is someone will come in and they'll say, I want to work on, you know, a, a date rape in college. But after they see the power of art, then their mind just explodes and then they will use it for a number of things. You know, then there's that, I mean, you know, I, I had a woman who's come in and she, she's a long-term client. She has worked on, I think, eight different issues using art from, you know, chronic toe pain to recurrent neglect in childhood. And she does so well with this. This is such a magical practice for her that she just keeps knocking out problems. And she'll come in and say, you know, I don't know what to do about this work situation. My boss just yelled at me and I just don't know how to respond. And sometimes in 20 or 30 minutes, you know, she'll, she, she said, oh yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to call the, you know, the head of the board and talk to them about it. And I'm like, okay, great. See you next time. <laughs> That's so great. Well, it, well, I like what you mentioned, even about the pain and the toe, like sometimes our, our feelings can manifest pain that are unexplainable, but it turns out that it's just repressed emotion. And so this covers also repressed emotions in the form of just physical pain in random parts of the body. Yes, 100%. So my favorite example of this is a woman who came in with 
just severe, severe pelvic pain. She had not been able to put even a pinky finger into her vagina, let alone a penis in many years. And she was married. This was very distressing. She wanted to have children. And, but more importantly, she literally couldn't cross her legs. She, she just, the pelvic pain was so severe. She had pain all the time. And she was not really aware that her childhood experiences would be considered abuse and neglect. She came from another country. I think that was part of it, that that was a little bit more customary there. And it's certainly not that I sit around saying, wait, that's trauma. You need to think about that as trauma. But I would ask her how she would, how she felt about it. And she would sob uncontrollably. Well, we worked on scenes from that childhood abuse that violence and it stopped her pelvic pain like completely now it did not uh yet facilitate the you know insertion of a penis in her vagina that we did we haven't gotten to yet but a hundred percent got rid of that regular pelvic pain that was constant and plagued her every day when she was doing absolutely nothing but sitting or standing gone what a tremendous step. <laughs> yeah. What a tremendous yeah, you look so step. confused. That's I so love it. Amazing. Well, yeah, like I do think that it comes down to it's it's good that this also this therapy includes seeing things that have been we often try to hide away from these things. And so I I do support anything where you have to face it. You might not, you don't have to talk about it, but you have to see it. You have to see it in your own vision in order to change it. Right. And then again, it's that felt sense in the body. So that's how we get to the old memories is we say, when have you felt these sensations in, you know, what's the earliest time you can remember? And sometimes we have to do a few sets of eye movements. Sometimes someone will say, I don't know, or nothing. And and that's okay. And sometimes they'll go, I don't understand why, but I just had a vision of, you know, Again, seeing a text message that my father was having an affair. And then that got rid of that patient's intrusive, violent images of her hurting herself. On paper, those have nothing to do with each other. Hmm. But the body knows that they do. Yeah, that comes up a lot with my work in the sense of like, you don't, it doesn't have to make sense in the moment. Like you'll figure it out down the line, but like, let's just roll with what we got right now and we'll see where it goes and go down that journey. But yeah, we don't have all the answers right away. We don't need all the answers right away. Actually, it doesn't matter. No. And I I do think, I do want to highlight one thing you said, what you said, we don't have to talk about it. The beauty of art is some people have talked about trauma and these issues for literally, again, 30, 40 years Mm. or five years in therapy or 12 years in therapy. They're tired. They don't want to tell their story again. So with art, there's very little talking, very little. I do an intake session where I do like to know why someone is coming in. But frankly, you could come in I could have no actual idea what you were working on and I can still help you equally well. 
I don't do it that way because I want to feel deeply connected to the people I'm working with. And I really do believe that that connection then allows me to help them even more. But I have had, um, I had a woman with a terrible eating disorder. She didn't want to tell me anything about her trauma. She just said, I have trauma and I still helped her. I didn't feel as connected to her, but that's how she wanted to do it. And it's not about me. It's about what helps the client sitting in front of me. And you do not have to keep talking about this stuff ad nauseum. You can't think your way out of these things. That's why you're not getting better. Well, it really goes into showcase. I've mentioned this, I think a couple of times, but there's so much emphasis on people that are shy and not don't want to talk. There's more emphasis on them to speak up. Meanwhile, the ones that are very verbal, it's like, we do not set the gold standard just because we're all like, oh, we want to talk about our problems all the time. That's not the ongoing, like that's not going to work for everybody. And we shouldn't treat people that don't want to talk like that as someone who's verbal. Yeah, totally. I mean, I used to say, you know, you have to talk for me to help you. And if I'm doing talk therapy, that might be true, but it's not true anymore. I can Mm -hmm. help you. I can absolutely help you with you really not talking very much at all. And that's cool, right? I mean, as you said, like for people who, you know, especially for people who come from communities where the message has always been, we don't talk about things outside these four walls. You know, you do not say a word. You're, oh, you have to be stoic all the time. This is actually kind of a liberating thing because they still don't have to share a bunch of family secrets or, you know, um, break, you know, sort of that that family bond of, you know, secrecy and silence, but they can be set free from it by doing art or any sort of body based brain based treatment. I support all of those, not just art. Absolutely. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Is there anything else that you want to really hone in when it comes to art and what the message that you want to deliver for it? I think I just want to encourage people to not lose hope. When you say I've tried every therapy, you know, I've done this, I've tried that. First of all, I get it. You're exhausted and you do feel hopeless, but brain-based therapies, art, EMDR, somatic experiencing, some of these other types of, you know, what have been in the past, maybe alternative treatments, but they're not so alternative anymore. They're becoming a lot more mainstream, but try it. The beauty of art is you'll know after the first session, whether it's something you feel hopeful about and want to do it again, because you will feel better. There is a resolution at the end of every session. And that's, I think what makes it so, um, you know, so something that people can try because it doesn't take long to figure it out if it's helping you. Well, I think my big key takeaway from that is the fact that you want people in and out. You want that healing in and out. And I think that's what we need to do. There needs to be some, not like healing is something that you ever have an end journey on, but it is something where you should see results in a way that is helping you. Like if you feel that you're constantly doing something and not seeing any results, that's discouraging and it can make people not want to continue it. So it's good to see things that you're like, wow, I feel the change. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where, where, where can my listeners find you and what else is coming up for you? 
Mm -hmm. So you can find me at my website, brookbraylove.com and on Instagram at brookbraylove psychotherapy. I'm also on TikTok and, uh, Facebook and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the, um, the DC area doing art in person and virtually, and I'm just really excited to, to continue. I also want to encourage all therapists to really consider getting trained in art. Uh, you know, this, this people deserve to have this treatment. And so we need more therapists trained in it. And it's, uh, it's, it's just really exciting. And, um, if you want to learn more about art in general, you can go to acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com and Lainey has a free monthly introduction to it for therapists who might want to get trained. So there's lots and lots of opportunities for this thing to continue to spread. Absolutely. And you know what? It's good to look into the new, like it's up and coming. Like sometimes we don't want to, oh, we learned something, you know, 10, 30, 40 years ago and think that that's the only information that's out there. It's constantly changing and getting better and developing. So this has been great. Thank you so much. I will put all of those links in the description for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me again. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. And for my listeners, you guys know what to do. I'll be back on Wednesday. And as always, stay kinky.